chapter twenty four of blackthorn farm by arthur applin this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty four ruby's declaration the first thing jim crichton did after he had made a successful return flight to nether avon was on getting five days special leave to run up to london and search for ruby strode that he might keep his promise to rupert he resisted the temptation to pay a flying visit to blackthorn farm rupert was safe a thousand miles or more away on his journey but that made jim the more anxious not to take the faintest risk despard had been suspicious despard disliked him and was in love with marjorie jim had received a letter from her short carefully worded it dealt principally with the doings of post bridge and the radium mine the company would soon be floated the prospectus was prepared and she stated it was confidently expected that when it came out the capital would be oversubscribed jim smiled to himself for he read between the lines he had little faith in the venture perhaps because he had no faith in despard though he hoped for john dale's sake it would turn out successfully soon after reaching london he discovered that his father was in town and jim frankly told him the object of his visit to see miss strode and give her a message sir reginald congratulated his son on his flight but jim did not dare tell him yet how successful it really had been nor its real object i think i'd like to meet this miss strode sir reginald said somewhat to jim's surprise though i'm afraid i still feel convinced of young dale's guilt i've never been able to eradicate from my mind the part she played at the trial the strange outburst when she confessed it was she who altered the check it seems too that when the solicitor saw her she said that mr despard could if he chose prove the truth of her assertion of course it's very possible that she and rupert were equally guilty perhaps the suggestion came from her the woman tempted and the man fell i'd like to know if despard did keep anything back at the trial jim nodded i'll see what i can do but i should think the kindest thing would be to let miss strode forget all about it if that's possible guilty or innocent she must have been very fond of rupert the father's suggestion came as a surprise to him he had during the last few weeks cultivated despard's acquaintance and seen a great deal more of him than jim liked but as a rule sir reginald never made a mistake in his judgment of men supposing miss strode could prove that rupert is innocent what then jim asked i don't think she can do that sir reginald said quickly i'd like to discover what part she played in the unfortunate business and perhaps she could enlighten us as to despard's past history his character and so forth jim smiled you're beginning to feel suspicious of this brilliant company promoter who is playing the good samaritan at blackthorn farm and trying to feather his own nest at the same time sir reginald did not reply at once and looking more closely at him jim noticed that he looked worried a heavy frown furrowed his brows presently he took jim's arm and asked him where he was going well my first visit is to the ingenue theatre it seems rather too much to expect that i shall find miss strode there but it's the obvious place to look i'll walk with you sir reginald said i've something i want to say to you 
jem almost suggested that the best place to talk would be the sitting-room of sir reginald's hotel in which they found themselves but he refrained he felt as if he had suddenly changed places with his father and that it was the older man who wanted to unburden his mind and make a confession not until they were in the bustle and turmoil of the streets did sir reginald speak i was talking to my solicitors to-day and of course mr despard's name cropped up why of course jem asked there was a moment's hesitation before his father replied i had instructed my brokers to apply for a rather large number of shares in this this radium mine when it is floated i found it necessary to realize certain securities my solicitors did not seem to have a very good opinion of mr despard they confess they did not know much about him they seem to think him a man of straw he has already been connected with one or two companies rubber and oil i believe both of which went into liquidation shortly after they had been promoted as you know i'm one of the syndicate of this radium mine i don't know anything about the game jem admitted but i didn't know that despard had convinced you there was anything but water in the old blackthorn mine i'm sure he's a rotter you're not worried are you i mean he hasn't done you for any amount he hasn't done me at all sir reginald replied testily he started by forming a little syndicate and i-but you wouldn't understand you mustn't forget we had expert opinion and the reports read so well if by any chance the venture fails well it would hit us rather badly you must not forget he added hastily that property has been depreciating lately and that in consequence my income has been dwindling and just when this fellow despard comes along i was looking about for a good investment jim laughed and pressed his father's arm he knew that sir reginald had been thinking of his future more than of himself the desire for wealth has never troubled me governor love in a cottage sounds sentimental rot i know but one's got to live somewhere and as long as i've got work and the woman i want a cottage will be good enough for me here's the ingenue theatre so you had better leave me now unless you want to lose your reputation sir reginald laughed i understand that the stage door of a london theatre is a damned sight more respectable than the most fashionable matrimonial office and that unless a man can produce a marriage license he don't stand a chance of getting inside nowadays in answer to jim's question the doorkeeper told him miss strode was playing and that she generally left the theatre about eleven o'clock jim left his card and said that he would return at that hour he arrived punctually and had not to wait long before ruby made her appearance he had never met her before and at first he was not impressed she treated him brusquely and asked him plainly to state his business he explained who he was and told her he had brought her a message from a friend she looked him up and down and he read mistrust in her eyes perhaps you'll walk as far as the end of the street with me he suggested she nodded he told her he was engaged to be married to rupert dale's sister can you guess from whom i bring a message she started then and her face grew deadly pale she hesitated a moment looking steadily into his face then she asked him to call a cab do you mind driving back to my flat with me yes i live alone at present but you needn't bother about the conventions what people thought and said never troubled me much and now it doesn't trouble me at all they scarcely spoke until her flat was reached 
ruby led the way into her sitting-room mixed a whisky and soda for jim and made one for herself would it shock you if i smoked she asked i can't help it if it does i smoke myself he replied quietly he saw a tinge of colour touch her cheeks she apologised and handed him the case forgive me but you're a soldier aren't you jim nodded i suppose you think women who earn their living at second-rate theatres who smoke cigarettes drink whisky instead of aniseed and live alone lose caste don't you he laughed and shook his head no why should i the ingenue theatre is largely patronised by the army the navy and the house of lords i've found that the youthful members of the aristocracy want to marry us naval men want to amuse us the army men expect us to amuse them and sally up to date six shies a penny she turned her back on him will you tell me your message it's from a man called cotton john cotton you knew him under another name he left devonshire a week ago and route to singapore he wanted me to tell you that he was safe that he loved you and was deeply grateful for all you had done for him he waited but ruby strode did not move she still stood with her back to him it was a long time before he dared to break the silence you understand he whispered then at last she turned round and stood beside him the expression on her face had changed it was no longer hard and cold her eyes were tender and beautiful the eyes of a woman who has loved she stretched out her hand and jim took it you mean that rupert has really escaped that there's no chance of his being captured and taken back to prison he bowed his head who helped him escape who got him out of england that doesn't matter jim replied it's enough for you to know that he's safe he's bound for singapore where he'll find work a man's work under the british flag he will as the americans say make good yet he tried to withdraw his hand but ruby held it tightly you helped him i dare say you didn't do it for his sake but for his sisters the woman you love but you helped him jim did not reply bending down ruby kissed his hand again and again he snatched it away and turned on his heel god bless you she whispered hoarsely don't go yet mr crichton tell me tell me that you believe he's innocent he looked at her then and in her eyes he read her secret if he had had any doubts as to rupert's innocence they went now i believe he is innocent but why couldn't he prove his innocence if you did it unknown to him of course it was unknown to him she interrupted he never suspected for a moment how could he that's why i did it oh i was mad at the moment but i loved him so his life was in danger he was going to kill himself why won't any one believe me why can't any one understand ruin dishonour faced him when a woman loves nothing in the world matters but the honour safety and life of the man she loves being a man you may not have much of an opinion of women the lord knows why we love them so just as a man will die for his country just as a soldier will kill spy suffer indignities be tortured rather than betray his trust rather than see his country shamed or his flag hauled down so will a woman do just the same rather than see her man hurt or the flag he carries dishonoured oh i suppose it's only an idea that each fights for the flag for the soldier the man for the woman the flag is his country and its future the man is her mate and the children he will give her can't you understand i'm not defending myself but they wouldn't believe me when i confessed because they couldn't see why i should do it the fools 
surely you didn't think when you did this thing your crime would remain undetected a woman doesn't think when the man she loves is in danger i tell you if i hadn't found the money for him he would have taken his life i had to find the money the check was lying on the floor he had forgotten it the idea came i acted on it i didn't think it was a crime i dare say one day when you're at war perhaps and you capture a spy you'll shoot him you know he's a brave man and a soldier doing a job you might have been deputed to do for your country but you'll shoot him that's a crime in its way but you'll do it because it's your duty to your flag if you stop to reason to think it out you wouldn't do it when i committed my crime i obeyed the orders of my heart instinct call it what you will i wanted to save my man who was to be the father of my children that's all i knew or remembered i didn't save him it's not too late now if only they would listen to me if only they'd believe me they will believe you if you can find proof the man who can prove it won't speak i believe he could prove my guilt and rupert's innocence absolutely if he would speak several things have come to my knowledge since the trial that man is robert despard he has disappeared from london and i can't find him ruby was walking up and down the room now her head thrown back her fists tightly clenched she looked magnificent terrible if i could find him she cried between her teeth i would accuse him of perjury for he did perjure himself he came into rupert's sitting-room just after i had altered the check i was holding it in my hand just underneath my glove and he saw it there and asked what it was i believe after i left the room he must have seen the marks on the blotting-pad things i had forgotten at the time things he said returned to me afterwards when it was too late he knows but he won't speak gently gently jim said taking her arm and making her sit down we must help you my father and i will force mr despard to speak we must clear rupert's name if there's no if she cried you realize that if we clear him it means that you take his place you will be sent to prison she seized his hands and looked into his eyes for me the day i enter prison and he is pardoned will be the first happy day i shall have known since rupert was arrested i love him End of chapter 24